We're coming in hot with inspiring guests, witty banter, and colorful commentary for today's veterans and military community. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. Hello and welcome back to the Tango Alpha Lima Experience. I'm Jeff Daly of the Michigan Dailies, nestled in here in Los Angeles. There, over there, right there, is my friend and neighbor in Square. Here we go, the milestone. I'm going to say it. Marie, Ashley Marie Gorbulja Maldonado. Bravo, Mr. Daly. Bravo. How are you doing over there? I'm very content wow very content yeah that sounds zen like it is very zen i've been doing this thing where i separate like work ashley from like normal ashley because it's all ashley it's all ashley right but like which portion of ashley do you get to see all the time you get to see podcast ashley wait but have you heard somebody suggest have you heard somebody suggest turning off uh work ashley now and then yes i'm pretty sure that came from you sir okay uh yeah because i know you don't like when i start doing standpoint perspectives and talking to the corporate speak to you you get all yeah not when you're ordering from a menu when you say from the proteins perspective (laughs) i think i'll have a i think i'll have some chicken that's from a carb standpoint the rice is going to do the trick uh so just for everybody out there we're going to start off with uh i i'm back if you hadn't noticed and i sound a little different uh and that it sounded a little different. If this was last week, uh, you would have turned the show off already because you wouldn't have understood the word that I was saying. Uh, I had a minor minor stroke, and we're still recovering. Uh, the big story is the legion aspect of all of this. I happened to be. I woke up that morning, was totally fine, walking around, and uh, I got a little of the baby deer legs and. Although it was barely noon, I, I wasn't drinking. I thought maybe I had a, a memory of being drunk and was just drunk. I don't know. So then uh, I got a phone call from national headquarters, Mary Jo Andretti Dial. And she heard me and she said, Jeff, your words are slurring. You need to get to the hospital. And me being a man, I was going to just sleep it off because I didn't know what it was. But she was very... Uh, She's concerned and uh, but very stern in her in her direction. So uh, I followed. So she asked me who I was going to call, and of course it was a legionnaire. It was Jennifer Campbell here in California, and of course Mary Jo knows her. Didn't believe me. So after I called Jennifer, Mary Jo called Jennifer, uh, and I I went down to the West LA VA Medical Center. They took really good care of me. The Food could be better. I'm going to say it. I don't care. Um, if I have to Yelp review that, I'm going to get a star knocked off for the food. Yeah, but uh, got good care. And the fact is that I got there quickly. Uh, got help in a short amount of time, which is why I'm even where I'm at now in the recovery, which could take up to three months. So we hope that this, ugh, we hope that this voice gets even better and better. And I hope you'll stay along with me on this journey. But the real thing, the, the thing that gets me going is how the Legion stepped up. The staff and the other patients, they're a little jealous of me because uh, getting flowers, even from super producer Holly, but that's a whole nother story. And uh, there are just flowers everywhere. There were I had people visiting every single day. In fact, I got in trouble a couple of times because I had more than the allotted number of visitors at a time. And I, I'm going to say that I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that 95% of those visitors were in the Legion family. And the, the calls and texts and emails that I haven't had time to return all of them. I'm talking about past national commanders. I'm talking about people from Legion College and different places around the country. My own department commander and adjutant physically visited. I had 
just so much Legion support and the camaraderie that we have is one of the most valued benefits, valuable benefits, I should say, that we don't talk about enough. But I think we, we need to start talking about the camaraderie and the, the literal use of the word family for the Legion. Because I joined the Legion a little over four years ago. That's not a long time. And uh, the impact that they're having uh, with me on this journey is far outweighs any other group. I mean, except immediate family, 100% of them are involved. But uh, besides immediate family, the Legion family is the most active in my journey right now. I don't, I don't know if you've had that experience, Ashley, with the camaraderie that goes, on, goes along with uh, just people being of similar having some kind of similar commonality that's a uh, two words that mean the same thing but that's okay uh that have this commonality that brings us together and it's not just uh those of us who raised our hand for the oath to serve the country but everybody in the legion raised a hand to serve community state nation and uh those who served and the rest of our legion family and it's those people it's those individuals that stepped up to their oath and are uh, humbling this guy every day. And I don't easily humble, uh, except when being wheeled around in a, a bagless robe on my way to the bathroom to be assisted, which is still a weird thing. Um, but the camaraderie, and I have, I, have, I have a friend in DC right here on the screen. I have a friend in Indianapolis who won't come off this, won't come on the screen, but she's sitting there, Super Producer Holly. And I just have people everywhere in the Legion. And if you are not in the American Legion, I'm going to give you this piece of advice. Build your network now. And I don't mean your professional network where you meet people to exploit them for profit. I'm talking about your personal network where you meet people who will support you in crisis because I have that built and it is sustaining me right now. I was losing my mind. People that know me, I don't cry. Probably been 20 years since I've cried. And when I was in that hospital, I literally broke down. Jennifer Campbell's a good friend of mine. She saw me break down like a blubbering child who didn't get a cookie. I mean, it was that bad in front of people, in front of the doctors, in front of the team, because they fire hose you with information and they're sticking things in you everywhere. And then they finally stop, slow down and say, are you okay? And you realize in that moment that you're not. And I do have a distrust for a lot of people, uh, just people in general. So the fact that Jennifer was there, who I did trust, is my, uh, she's been my Legion commander twice. Um, the fact that she was there got me through that. So build your network. You can do it in the American Legion. You can do it elsewhere. I'm the California director of membership. So my bias says do it in the American Legion. But, uh, and I did sign up three people. So it was working while I was in the hospital. That's gonna annoy some of my friends uh, like Donna and AJ. But uh, that stuff's important. And so uh, it, it really is. I don't, I don't know if, you, if you've had the opportunity to have Legionnaires support you that way yet, Ashley, but if they will. They will. They will step up. So do you have anything to add to that? I love you, bud. I love you back. So we're going to so just jump into the show. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. This is this is information that I don't need. All right. So we're calling uh, Holly called this return of the JD, like Jedi JD. So I guess I'm going to I'm going to keep my lightsaber down today uh, because I'm not in a robe in the hospital. <laughs> 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 yes, ladies and gentlemen, Alphas, he's back. Um, he's back. He's back. <laughs> you strike him back. 
<laughs> uh, the JD strikes back. Okay. So news of the we have their news of the week, Ashley. News of the week, Jeff. <laughs> okay, let's calm down. All right. Got it. Proceed. Do you have your news? See? Oh, me. Yay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so we're going to kick things off with the news of the week. So four airmen have been awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross for evacuating more than 150 civilians from Cabal. So let's get into it. So the crew rescued more than 150 people during this evacuation in Cabal last year during the ceremony. At Travis Air Force Base in California on April 1st, the medals were presented to Lieutenant Colonel Dominic Cauldron, First Lieutenant Kyle Anderson, and Master Sergeant Sylvia Foster from the 301st Airlift Squadron, and Senior Airman Michael Geller of the 417th Airlift Squadron. The ceremony also... Excuse me, 117th Airlift Squadron. 517th. 517th? Yeah. 517th, ladies and gentlemen, airlift squadron. The ceremony also recognized Staff Sergeant Dennis Gonzalez Furman of the 437th Aircraft Maintenance Squadron at Joint Base Charleston, South Carolina, who was, in, who was the air crew's flying chief during the mission in Afghanistan. The crew was initially tasked with flying in members of the 82nd Airborne Division who were helping secure Hamid Karzai. Kaz- Karzai. 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 Excuse me. Karzai. International Airport during the U.S. withdrawal from the country. On August 15th, as the Taliban seized control of Afghanistan's capital and thousands of civilians started making their way to the airport in search of escape, the crew's mission quickly changed to one of evacuation. The conditions that day were like none I had ever seen, said Cauldron, a short time after his return from Afghanistan, according to Air Force press release. The airfield was breached and there were mass crowds entering the airfield. Still, the crew performed well under enormous pressure. I couldn't be more proud of the way the entire crew operated. Despite the heightened risk at the airport and the minimal manning of the aircraft, they ultimately rescued 153 U.S. citizens, allied partners, and Afghans. Kudos. That's amazing. This is a, it's a really good story. I, I love to give credit where credit is due. Please don't tell the uh, airman at my post because I still have to talk smack at the bar. But this is uh, this is impressive work that they did here. And ultimately, 153 uh, friendlies, if you will, are are better off or actually even some of them probably uh, are alive because of this. And but definitely all 153 have an enhanced existence because of the efforts of these airmen. It's impressive. What's that? Impressive. Impressive. It, it really is. Yeah. We're we're we are the 1%, man. We are the 1%. We get it done. And that, that they're the 1% of the 1% right here in this one. I don't have a flying cross. I don't think uh, I don't I don't think anybody can get that but a airman. But this is good work on them. You know who else is impressive? You. Well, I have a mirror. I know that. Um, And you. He back. He He back. back. Uh, (laughs) Another Marine that we're going to talk to here in a little bit. Uh, His name is Chad Robichaud. Chad is a former force recon marine and DOD contractor with eight deployments to Afghanistan as part of a joint Special Operations Command Task Force. Chad barely nearly became a veteran suicide statistic, but he overcame his personal battles with PTSD and went on to start the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Mighty Oaks is a nonprofit that serves active duty and veteran communities with faith-based combat trauma and resiliency programs. We're going to be right back with fellow Marine Chad Robichaud, and learn more about the Mighty Oaks Foundation right after this break. Howdy, folks. 
Y'all come on out, get out of those recliners and join us for the 2022 100 Miles for Hope Challenge. The third American Legion Fitness Challenge will raise money again for veterans and military families in need. We've made big improvements to the 2022 challenge. Monthly mini challenges with awesome prizes. Hey, department adjutants, department commanders, let's get some department versus department challenges and get it going. Let's go. This year, we've made it even easier to track your miles. We've made it even easier for friends and family to support you through donations to the Veterans and Children Foundation. My goal this year is to raise $450,000 for the Veterans and Children Foundation. But we need your help. Get active and help support veterans and military families. Visit legion.org backslash 100 miles to register and learn more. Let's show the nation that we are Veterans Strengthening America. All right, we are here with Chad Robichaud. We just spoke all kinds of good things about you. It was like you're getting a, a Marine Corps commendation or something. It was amazing. Uh, so get ready. Get ready to be pinned, if you will. And, and I'm going to hand it off to Ashley. She likes to start things off. She's always trying to be first, and I don't, I don't fight. Mm, that's right, Marine. Sit down. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Um, I'm, I'm outnumbered today, so I guess I'll watch yeah. myself. So, um, so Chad, welcome. Uh, thanks for being here. You're a super high speed veteran. You've, you know, from, you know, trauma to triumph, you have done it all and you have founded Mighty Oaks Foundation, uh, a leading nonprofit that serves active duty in veteran communities. Tell us a bit more about the, the spark or the, the light bulb that went off that, helped you found this organization and what does Mighty Oaks do or Mighty Oaks Foundation do uh, currently for our community? Yeah, well, first, you know, thanks for having me on. Uh, really appreciate the platform and opportunity to talk about Mighty Oaks and new book, my, my new book. Uh, I, uh, I started Mighty Oaks because it was really a pay it forward effort what other people did for me. Um, I'm I'm Marine uh, veteran, so yeah, you are an outnumbered today. But even if there's one of us, you're always still outnumbered. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, no, it, my my father was a Marine. He was an infantryman in Vietnam. I watched him struggle and never get help, you know, throughout his whole life. Uh, I, I did eight deployments as a Force Recon Marine. Both my sons are Marines, uh, so Marine Corps is a big thing in my family. Um, you know, and when I came back from my eighth deployment from Afghanistan, I was diagnosed with PTSD. I dealt with debilitating panic attacks, anger, frustration, just hopelessness, and uh, which really led me in a three-year downward spiral that nearly ended in divorce. Uh, we filed, my wife and I filed for divorce and moved in two separate apartments and, and uh, moved forward in that process. And we were separated for three months. And, uh, but ultimately, the, the rock bottom was me making an attempt to kill, to kill myself and take my life, which you, know, you, you guys know that you know, that's uh, something that plagues our veteran community at a rate of over 20 a day. And, uh, and then there's a lot of things that helped me to get well, but nothing was more uh, significant to me than the restoration of my faith and just solid mentorship from real quality people. And uh, so as, uh, as I began to get better, I recognized how many other people in our veteran community were struggling just as I did. You know, we often, when we go through hard times, we feel like we're the only ones, like we're all alone. No one can be dealing with the same things I'm dealing with. And so realizing that I wasn't the only one, that other people were struggling just as I was, I kind of recognized, hey, I feel like I found a cure. Like I found a solution to all these problems that everyone's dealing with. And uh, so I just felt a real burden in my heart to pay it forward. And I, I started Mighty Oaks Foundation. And that was, that was uh, almost 11 years ago that we started. Uh, I had no idea how it was going to manifest. I just knew I just had this burden of my heart to pay it forward. And all these years later, we have a resiliency program, which is able to go talk to active duty troops about being uh, combat ready, resilient uh, warfighters that allows them to not only do a great job, despite what they may face, but they'll to transcend life and come out of the side as you know, quality uh, husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and, and uh, friends and eventually civilians again. 
And uh, so I love doing these resiliency programs because the military teaches these four pillars of resiliency, mind, body, spirit, social, but they have a hard time really defining what the two of those mean. Mind and body is obvious, pretty obvious, right? You have to have a strong mind, be motivated, passionate. You have to have a strong body to serve in the military. You got to be healthy and physically fit. But socially, what's that really mean? Uh, surrounding yourself with the right people, what those people look like. And spiritually, having a strong spiritual foundation, the military has always had a very difficult time defining that. So we're able to go in and speak on, the, on, on those topics. And I've spoken to over 250,000 active duty troops doing that. Uh, in fact, I was just at Marine Corps boot camp uh, two days ago and uh, speaking to, I spoke to 4,000 Marine Corps recruits and I do that every quarter half, half for the last seven years. And uh, in addition, I, they allow me to give away some books and I give away one of my books called Path to Resiliency on spiritual resiliency to all the recruits. And so that's one of the things we do. The other is we have a recovery program for those who are dealing with uh, issues just like I dealt with. Um, all those, all those difficult things that people deal with after military life or deployments or different types of things and facing anxiety, depression, divorce, all these types of things. So we have a, a camp at, that we hold at five different ranches around the country. They're six days long, followed on by an aftercare system we have. And we uh, have active duty service members, veterans, uh, first responders, and spouses of those uh, come to those programs. The active duty actually comes on PTAD orders. And we pay for everything, including their flights. We do about four to five million dollars a year in programming, and uh, all paid for through support and donations through Mighty Oaks, which is our five hundred one c three nonprofit. So all that's paid for, and they come to the program. We've had four thousand one hundred graduates, and this year, twenty twenty two, we're doing a uh, thousand per year. So that's our kind of uh, milestone we've been working towards. And then uh, the last thing we do is a lot of advocacy work. I've spent a lot of time in Washington D.C. taking the successes that we've had at Mighty Oaks to help change veterans policy to ensure that um, programs within the VA and DOD uh, have faith-based programs put back in. I know this isn't a political show, so I don't want to go off the rails and talking about that, but uh, you know, different administrations along the last 20 years of war, multiple gener uh, administrations hadn't had the same policies to bring in care for our, uh, for our warriors. And, uh, and at, there was a point in 2009 where faith-based programs were defunded and a lot of money was shifted from faith programs to clinical programs. About 1,500 clinical programs were stood up, billions of dollars. In, uh, and we've seen a trend shift from 16 suicides a day at that time in 2009 to 22. And so I identified it as the lack of uh, faith solutions. Uh, I believe in clinical programs uh, and medication and doctors, but I believe that uh, veterans should have a choice to choose between different types of care. Uh, should be the veteran's choice to choose. And, uh, and it doesn't have to be either or. It could be a multitude of different things. And so I really have uh, been an advocate for faith programs. Uh, over the last uh, five years, I've been able to help with executive orders and getting policy change. The Prevents Bill, I've been able to ensure that faith programs are an option in Prevents Bill. So I've done a lot of advocacy work in D.C. through Mighty Oaks Foundation as well. So that's kind of what Mighty Oaks is and, uh, and how we begin as just really a simple pay it forward effort. And here we are all these years later and been able to serve the tens of thousands of warriors. And, and it's all our staff is all just people doing the same thing. They came, they got help and they decided to get back and get in the fight and help others. And that's kind of what makes it a, a really beautiful thing. That's an incredible story. Um, you know, and I can tell, you know, it comes from that experience and that passion. And like you said, there was this like this, this burden to, to do more and to have that impact and to share your gifts. And it's incredible the things that you've been able to accomplish. And what you said, like a decades, a decade's worth of time, 11 years. That's impressive. It's incredibly we've got impressive. a lot done, but we've, you know, we've had a, the, all the right people that have come around us. Amazing people from our supporters. Obviously we, you know, we're doing about four to $5 million a year in programming. So we have all the supporters that come in the active duty military that allows us access to the troops. Mm -hmm. Uh, the partners are in the active duty side, those in the, in the VA and the veterans community and different. Uh, and then, you know, the troops that, the troops that trust us to be able to uh, come in and serve them. I mean, they have to, it's a two-way thing. You can't just help someone that, that isn't willing. So you have, have to have trust us. So there's just so many people. And then we have a, if you looked at our board of directors and board of advisors, we have some of the most incredible advisors, you know, Alan West and General Boykin. And we have a Sergeant, Sergeant Major, uh, the Marine Corps, Carlton Kent. Uh, we have a, a commandant of the Marine Corps, uh, General Conway. So we have some really great advisors. Erica Kelly, who is the uh, uh, command chief of the, Air, of the Air Force, 
because we have just some incredible people who have come alongside of us and and helped advise us and and work with us. Our staff is and our staff. Is, I mean, our staff is so incredible. So I'm do you sure. when you uh, you talk about helping both active duty and veterans, uh, is the is the approach the same or are their challenges different? Yeah, I think their challenges are different. I think all of us could, uh, I think all of us face different issues, whether we're an active duty, whether we're a veteran, a first responder, a spouse, a civilian, uh, we're all gonna face hardships in life. And so the way we get to moments of crisis in our life are different, but I believe the solutions are the same in very similar ways to help. So while the first part of your question is, you know, they get, they get there in different ways, but I believe the way forward is the same. And so, you know, from a faith-based approach, a lot of people ask us, what's that mean? Uh, first of all, we're not an evangelical organization. I believe in evangelical organizations. That's just not what we do. We're not out proselytizing, trying to win people over for the gospel. That's uh, not our, our approach. Uh, most of the people that come to our program are not coming because it's a Christian program or share. Well, many don't even share our faith. We've had atheists and agnostics and, and uh, we've had a Satan worshiper come. Uh, we've had all kinds of different people come to our program. But what are, when we say we're a faith-based program, what we, what we do is we believe that you were, we believe that all people were created. And we believe that when God created us, he had a model in mind for which just to align our lives to. And so we take biblical principles and we help people contrast their life to those principles and, uh, and calibrate their life into uh, better living choices. So for example, uh, you know, the Bible has, you know, very clear uh, very clear principles about character. And uh, so maybe we get someone that comes to our program, we're struggling with PTSD, suicide, and they're looking at the world and saying, I'm a victim. I'm struggling with all these bad things that happen to me. And, uh, and, and so we try to use those principles to help them understand that, yes, some bad things happen to you, but the reason you're in the position you're in is because of the choices you're making in response to those bad things. When you have anger, when you have anxiety, when you have depression, you could choose how to respond to that. And if you choose how to respond to it in a negative way, your situation is going to get worse. You're going to end up in a negative situation. And we all know where that spiral leads to, uh, you know, divorce and suicide and depression and medication. Or you could, when you deal with those things, you can make better choices. And so here's some better choices that you can make. And we use those biblical principles to do that and give them a better, better choice to make in their life and kind of become more intentional about making more deliberate, intentional better choices than they're living and their responses to trauma and take control of their life, take responsibility of their life. So whether a veteran or first responder, their problems are going to be different. If they're active, their problems are going to be different. They're going to have got to that crossing that we call it the X in the road. They're going to have got there different ways, but the way they move forward is taking responsibility and making better choices moving forward. We're able to give them a, a blueprint for those better choices. Uh, and we're able to bring accountability in with a network of accountability and support to help them live those out. Well, before, before we move on from this part of the conversation, I'm just curious, you talk about building the support and all of that. Besides the, the book and the, or, we're not talking about that yet. Besides like the, the online things, how, how do people, how do you find the people that need your services or your support? And what does that look like on a physical level? Like, are you, do you have people across the country having yeah. support group meetings or like what's, what's, how are you holding them accountable and things like that? Well, how do we find people is, you know, simply what we're doing right now. You know, I'm getting on, I'm, I'm sharing, I'm sharing about, uh, you know, what we do on, on lots of platforms. I do a, a tremendous amount of public speaking. My books have done, you know, really well. So we point people through my books and I go on active duty military bases and speak all over the country. So uh, all over the world. So troops here and learn about it in word of mouth. Every veteran that comes to the program or active duty service member and they have success, they're going to refer uh, their friends that are struggling. And so it's been a much, very much a network uh, approach through the military network and community. Um, I have done a tremendous amount of sharing my story. You know, when I, I, I was a Fort Recon Marine, I was put on a JSOC task force, represented the Marine Corps in this JSOC task force. Uh, only a handful of Recon Marines got to do that. I did eight deployments and, and my deployments were, you know, like everybody else's deployments have their own story for me over that time, you know, and burying 15 friends dealt with a tremendous amount of hardship and trauma coming from that. And I was a very angry person. I, I've reached a lot of anger, uh, anger, depression, physiological symptoms start to manifest in me that I never thought I'd deal with. 
Uh, I felt like my arms would go numb, my face would go numb. I felt like my throat was swelling shut and couldn't breathe. I mean, this is panic attacks that I was dealing with. And like many veterans, I didn't get the help I needed because I didn't want to look weak by asking for help to my peers. I didn't want to go to mental health and lose my clearance. I felt like I'd lose my clearance, uh, my top secret clearance, to do my job. So I didn't get the help I needed. And, and it began to spiral and things got worse. And uh, came home, was diagnosed with PTSD and couldn't deploy anymore. And it, during that time, the, uh, when, I was, when I got diagnosed with that, I mean, I was dealing with a couple of things. One of the, the panic attacks were so bad that I literally believed I was going to die. The medicine that gave me made me feel like I was either going to uh, feel like a zombie because I felt like a zombie or uh, the other medicine that gave me made me feel like I was, gonna, I was getting poisoned. It was worse. And then on top of the level of panic attacks, I was ashamed. I felt like I failed. I felt like I worked my whole life to make it in the Marine Corps and recon and the portion con and the JSOC. And like I made it all the way to the Super Bowl of, of my career. And then I failed. So I was embarrassed. And, and so I kind of went into deep isolation. And uh, if, if you know my other part of my background, and not only was a portion recon Marine, I was a professional athlete and uh, fought on the side professionally when I was in the military. And so I just dove into that and hid and didn't get well and uh and i had tremendous amount of success there i won the world title i was 18 to 2 as a professional fighter and that happened about for about a period of about three years my professional life was going up and my personal life was still crashing i was still dealing with panic attacks i was a tyrant to my family like very angry and and just um uh you know verbally and and uh emotionally abusive to my family i ended up uh walking outside of our marriage in an affair because me and my wife's marriage was just over because of the way i was being to my family and uh, I was just kind of emotionless and uh, not in a healthy place. And, and that all ended with us after three years of that. It ended us with us sitting down and deciding to divorce and selling our home and, and uh, moving to two separate apartments. And, uh, and, and um, you know, we, during that time, my wife and I had two very different reactions. My wife went to this church and she got around good community and good people. And I moved in my apartment, my bachelor pad and signed up for big fight on Showtime trained for this fight. So by three months, my wife's getting better. I'm, I'm just staying in the same spot, spiraling. And uh, after I fought in this big fight in Showtime, uh, that seemed to be the thing that's occupying me. I won this fight. And uh, that night, I went back home to my apartment and laying in my bed and I decided, you know, man, I, I really have destroyed my wife and my children's lives. Maybe they'll be sad without me, but they'll be better off. And uh, we both know that, you know, that same hopeless thought finds a home in the hearts of you know, 20 plus veterans every single day that made my family, made my loved ones be sad without me, but they'll be better off. And I decided I was to take my life and I had a, uh, a Glock 22 pistol or a 40 caliber pistol. And I put my family pictures on the floor around me and try to build up the courage to pull that trigger. But the one thing that I would think was every time I put that gun to my head was who's going to find me. And the only person that had a key to my apartment at the time was my oldest son, Hunter. And the thought of him finding me that way, was enough to pump the brakes, but the next day I was in such a dark place. I was back at it trying to do it again. And there was one morning that I was in that closet with a pistol in my hand and I heard a knock at my door. I wasn't going to answer it, but then I heard my wife's voice announce herself and I somewhat panicked, hid that gun. Although it was my closet, she would have never came and seen it. But for some reason I panicked, hit it. And I went to the door and I, I was so angry that she was there, um, which may sound twisted. I was mad that she interrupted me trying to kill myself. And I just started yelling at her and asking her, you know, why she was there. And she asked me a question that, radically changed my life and really saved my life. She asked me how I could do everything I did in the Marine Corps. We were 17 to 18 when we met. So she saw me become a recon Marine and do the crazy training for that. And the, the, all these schools I did and deployments. And as an athlete, cutting weight and training for these fights, she saw the discipline in my life professionally. So she's like, how could you do all of these things? But when it comes to your family, you'll quit. And uh, you know, I don't know what you guys, but there's no more soul cutting word to me than to be called a quitter. She was absolutely right. I'd been successful at professional things, but when it came to the most important things, being a husband, being a father, being a young 17-year-old kid, like many of us raised his hand and made a commitment to do something important with his life, I quit in all those things, including my own will to live. And in that moment, I made a pretty radical decision to get back in the fight, but I didn't know how. I just knew I couldn't do it alone, and I knew I couldn't do it with the people I surrounded myself by. And I asked my wife, if there was someone at his church who was going to, some man that could step into my life and hold me accountable to this decision to get better. And uh, I wasn't seeking God or faith or church or anything like that, but that, that was somebody outside of my network. Cause I had, at my network, I had surrounded myself with people that told me everything I wanted to hear, not what I needed to hear. And I really didn't have any accountability. I had a bunch of, of uh, fans uh, as friends because of my athletic success.
And so, uh, and that was my fault, not, none of theirs. But uh, so I met this man named Steve Toth. He was on call at the church. He wasn't an MMA fighter or a Marine or served in the military or anything like that. It's, I met him. And uh, as I met him, I sat down across from him. I written a five paragraph order, a plan, like ops order of how he fix my life. It was really good. And I was super proud of it. And I kind of smugly slid it over to him. Like, hey, show this to my wife so I can win her back now. And, uh, and he didn't even read this plan. He just slid it back over to me and told me I was going to fail. I remember being like super offended. Like, what's this jerk? Like, not even looking at it. And he's just telling me I'm going to fail. And, but I'll never forget his words. He tapped on a paper and he said, this plan doesn't have anything to do with your relationship with God. I'm not going to waste your time and I'm not going to let you waste mine. And, uh, you know, I know this show is not like a, a, a Christian show or anything. We're not at church right now. But what I will tell you that I can't really share that part of my story without saying that part. Because if I look back at those pillars of resiliency, like mind, body, spirit, social, I was mentally one of the toughest. I'm, I'm a pretty mentally strong person. Uh, physically, you know, I, I was in best shape of my life socially. I surrounded myself with the right people uh, and when I was in combat and all these things. And I had good people around me. I wasn't utilizing them. But the spiritual piece, that was the one piece that I never really had. Uh, I, and I knew that somehow deep down inside, I knew I was never really skeptical of faith and, and uh, never really had a strong relationship with God. And so I had tried everything, you know, pills, counseling, VA programs, had financial success and professional success. But the one thing I never tried was that. And we have a saying at our foundation, Mighty Oaks Foundation, that came from this part of my life, if what you're doing isn't working, then why not try something different? And uh, so that's when I decided to get faith. I, I want to make sure, I want to make sure, we'll jump in, make sure that we have time to cover your book a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it sounds like some of these things are going to be repeating. And it's interesting because I'm hearing some themes that I've been hearing a lot lately. We had a suicide prevention awareness series recently. Uh, and then just a couple of weeks ago, I don't, um, I don't know if you know Boone Cutler, does the Spartans Spartan yeah. pledge. I know he is. Yeah. Yeah. He was just at our, he was just at our post. We, we took that pledge. Um, and what resonated with me is when you thought that your family would do better without you, that is something he really harps on. Um, that he, th he thinks that's why you, that's why you should call your, I guess your, your post-service uh, battle buddy so that they can remind you that no, they won't yeah, be better off without you. So <laughs> uh, thanks for, thanks for reiterating that for, for me and anybody else that uh, may need to hear that, you know, those saying, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but uh, thank you for doing that. Now I do want to move on and kind of shift focus to your book so that we don't run out of time. Uh, apparently we were sent an advanced copy that is not what anybody else will be reading. Uh, it's fight for us here. It's been edited, I guess. So I've, all the yellow marks that I made for typos, I'll just keep those to myself. <laughs> so you, uh, so you wrote, you wrote this book and it sounds like it kind of goes in parallel with the other things that you've been talking about. Cause uh, you saved your life and you saved your marriage approximately the same period of time. And uh and with some of the same inspirations. So tell us, tell us, tell me, because you know, I didn't read the whole thing. You, you're a Marine, you know what I'm talking about. Um, tell us what we're going to find in here and how it will, how it will be helpful to those who need it. I, I think, you know, whether you're married or going to be married, it is, it is obviously a marriage book. So it's about relationships, but uh, I think it just, it gives some good truths and life principles. I mean, when I made the decision to surrender my life to God uh, through that mentorship with Steve, one of the biggest things I discovered was what I said earlier on is I didn't, my past didn't have to find my, define my future. Yeah, I faced some hard things, but the reason I ended up in the situation I was in wasn't because of those hard things. It was because of the choices I made in response to those things. And now I could choose differently. I started choosing to align some biblical principles in my life and in my marriage that brung restoration in my situation with PTSD, my own brokenness how I responded to anger and frustration, you know, uh, and, and in my relationship with my wife, I've been married 26 years now. I have a very healthy relationship with my three children. And so I started choosing differently moving forward and making my, and being intentional about aligning my life and my life, my health, my marriage. Did I still get angry? Did I still get frustrated? Did me and my wife still get in fights? Of course we did, but how did I respond to them? And so biblical principles and truths that, that we put in this book of how, you know, Kathy and I move forward for my own health, for her health and for our relationship. 
you know, and through that, I didn't only find restoration, but I found hope again. And ultimately I found purpose again, which is extremely important in the veteran community. I mean, because we were wired to have purpose. That's the type of people that join the military. We need to have purpose. And uh, Mark Twain says, one of my favorite quotes, the two most important days in a person's life or the day that they're born and the day they find out why. For me, you know, when Steve Toth introduced me to the life that I believe I was created to live, that why reignited a purpose in me. It was to share what I discovered with other veterans, do Mighty Oaks, and share what I discovered about marriage uh, with other married couples. And that's through, you know, it's put in this book. So part of my purpose is sharing these things that I discovered uh, through my own journey. Awesome. I'm not married. Uh, I think uh, I'm the only one here that isn't married. So I, I probably need to read the book, find out. Read it before you get married, for sure. To pre to pre plan <laughs> for how I, so I don't screw it up because that's probably what will happen. Uh, Ashley, what do you got here? <laughs> well, uh, I definitely want to just kind of figure out like where we can get a hold of you, um, how you know, we can find all the information about Mighty Oak Foundation, um, where we can find your book, uh, any other, you know, plugs that you'd like to make, um, by all means, Chad, take it away. Well, uh, any veteran, first responder, active duty service member or spouse that is interested in our programs, again, they're totally free. We even pay for the airfare to travel you to the programs, wherever ranch we bring you to. And, uh, and you, can, you can sign up for those programs at mightyoaksprograms.org. Anybody listening that wants to help support that because it's free to veterans, but it's not free to us, uh, you go to mightyoaksprograms.org. It's 501c3. You can make a tax-deductible donation there, mightyoaksprograms.org. For more about myself, uh, chadrobyshow.com uh, is, is the best place to find stuff for me. I'm on all the social media platforms, and you can simply just uh, search my name. Uh, um, I think most of my accounts are verified, so it's be the name with the little blue checkmark thing. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm most active on Instagram. And so I do a lot of veteran stuff, a lot of faith stuff. Uh, always somebody falling down, getting hurt because I like to post some funny videos. People laugh and continue to follow me because of it. <laughs> You're not doing any choreographed dances on there? No, then, then it would be me falling down, getting hurt. All right. Well, you might get it. You might get challenged. So again, I want to thank you for uh, coming out here, sharing this message and really, quite frankly, extending uh our message of, of suicide prevention awareness that we that we started with that series and keeping that at top of mind because it's it is so it is such a big problem right now. Uh, so thanks again for uh, for doing all that you do, and we look forward to seeing you whenever and wherever. I I, I assume if I uh, do you do ranches for the marriage thing. We do. We, we partner with uh, Family Life. Uh, okay. We used to do our own uh, programs. We partner with Family Life for our marriage programs now. But uh, a lot of we, we do a lot of stuff for the families once they get involved in Mighty Oaks. Well, if I ever get married, that should probably be my wedding gift because I'll probably be there like <laughs> within six months. So I want to say one more thing if that's okay. Uh, What's that? I want to say one more thing if it's okay. Yeah. Like I've written a bunch of books and, uh, and you know, I write these books not to make money. Uh, I write these books because I care about the messages in them and I believe in them. Uh, if any veterans listening and they are active your service member or spouse is listening and you want a book, but you can't afford a book, always email us info at mighty Oaks. I've given away about 150,000 copies of free books to fit troops. So anybody listening, I mean, if you can afford one, then buy one because it helps us give away the free ones to those who can't, but if you can't email us, no questions asked, we'll get a book out to you. Well, Holly will definitely put that in the show notes. And again, uh, thank you so much um, for like all of it, your service, your, your post-service service and the mm -hmm. services that you uh, render to those who need it. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Family and community engagement. The American Legion meets the unique needs of local communities. We are veterans strengthening America. We are the American Legion. All right. Well, that was super motivating from Chad Robichaud and uh, really filled us in on some great information. And now we're going to proceed on with our favorite time of the day. Boom, 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 rapid fire.
I, I said poop, poop, poop instead of pew, pew. I don't know why I made that change. I'm going to go back to pew, pew, pew next time. Don't send hate mail. We're going to go back to pew, pew, pew. Okay. Rapid, rapid fire number one happens to be a Robichaux update. So yes. as many of you know, we record our interviews ahead of time. You can probably tell because we're wearing different clothes. Shortly after we interviewed Chad, Russia invaded Ukraine and Chad helped oh, Chad headed there to assist with humani- humanitarian efforts with Save Our Allies. That's a busy fella, huh? Oh my gosh, absolutely amazing. <laughs> when I saw after we interviewed him and then I saw that come, I was like, oh my gosh, he is relentless. He's, He's there, just there. going yeah. and going and going it's like the Energizer Bunny. I love I mean, it. Yeah. I hear stories about those forest recon guys, and apparently they're next true because that's uh, that's the next level stuff there. Uh, we're staying with the Marine Corps here for rapid fire. Pew, 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 pew two. Uh, this was a this was more of another branch of service. I can't remember, uh, but the Marine Corps body composition standards may be leading to eating disorders. Uh, I read this story. They're talking about uh, Marines like halving their portions and uh, just really trying to hunger themselves into these composition standards. And I'm going to let you start. What do you, uh, what do you think about that? Uh, Well, you know, I don't think this is just an isolated Marine Corps issue. I think it's very prevalent throughout all the services. I well, saw they did it. say that the Marines have a higher eating disorder problem than any branch. That's why they're focusing on them. Got it. Got it. Um, so I guess just from my own understanding as an army gal who ran the army body composition program for my unit and subsequent units thereafter, um, you know, there's a lot of concern about, are you meeting the standard? And if that standard is not met, it could hinder your career progression. So I have no doubt in my mind, given the, the culture of the Marine Corps and the proficiency and um, really like proudness of being physically fit would impact, you know, your, your perception of yourself and what you're eating and making sure you're meeting that standard. Um, so I'm, I'm not totally in shock that this branch is being hit the hardest. It's unfortunate because there are so many there are so many um, consequences to not providing your body with enough fuel. Um, and for those who do teeter-totter on a higher BMI, which is a body mass index, which most have really determined is a little out of date and touch just based on the different body frame and sizes that do exist in the world. Um, that is something that we use at the core of a lot of our body composition programs. So it sometimes can be met with unrealistic expectations um, and I'm, I'm not shocked that there would be some body positivity issues um, happening in the Marine Corps because of this. So these are my thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, I, I, I hear that <laughs> about body positivity, but then I even question uh, the military readiness of this mm-hmm. because you have people undernourished, you have people below their fighting weight, be just because it looks better in a uniform. Uh, so I, I, I just, I don't know about the combat readiness of, of just artificially making everyone yeah. slim down. Uh, I, cause I know the Marine Corps cares way less about body positivity and I know they care a lot about uh, combat readiness. And I, I, right. I just wonder, I just wonder, I don't have any facts, okay. but I just wonder. Did I ever, did I ever tell you this? Did I ever tell you my basic training story about food and being told that I may or may not be choosing not to eat in order to get out of mother army? Did I ever tell you that story? I, I think you told me, but. Oh, so I'll make it really You haven't told the folks. world or the alphas. Told the world. All the alphas, all the alphas out there. Listen to this one. So uh, I'm in basic training and this is army. Okay. It's not the Marine Corps. So I uh, was very, very tiny when I went in the service. Like they took me to Chipotle's to make sure I made weight so that I could join. That's how tiny I was. So when I finally got in, 
of course, you go to your reception, your waiting period, then you go to your, your new phases, your red phase, your blue phase, your initial training, your culture shock 101 was very tiny. And with the amount of exercise and stress, I wasn't able to eat a whole lot because if anybody's been in the service, we know how that it's hurry up and eat. You have two minutes to eat. You're done. So I subsequently was losing more weight, which was not great because I was already super string bean. And we had got back from a running, you know, training exercise and I could not keep my food down. And so I broke protocol and I got up and I ran to the bathroom and that was a no, no. And it got me called into my first sergeant's office with my battle buddy in tow. And I remember my first sergeant at the time asking me if I was choosing not to eat to get out of the army. And I looked her dead in the eyes and in my very private squirrely way, I said, no, first sergeant, I love food. If you give me more food, I will eat more food, first sergeant. I really do love food. I just haven't been able to eat enough, first sergeant, right? So like a nervous, nervous private trying to have this conversation about how much I love food. And anybody who knows me, I am a foodie. Like, I love the food, okay? Well, so this first sergeant was trying not to crack up, like, in my face. She was just about to roll like she just couldn't believe the words that came out of my mouth she was like okay i believe you and then they put me on an eating profile for two weeks so i could have an extra portion of food and i got a whole extra minute and a half to eat and i'll tell you what by the time i went in like 114 115 i came out like 130 pounds of muscle because i was able to eat enough that allowed me to like properly fill my body but that's my fun story about food and get it. military and being super tiny and understanding that well, even when I got up to that end of the scale of where my body composition, my beginning and my end, those are scary places to be. So I just want to say that for the, for the groups, for, for the alphas out there, those are so, scary places to be, and you will make sacrifices in order to try and stay eligible for your next promotion and for your career progression. People well, I will do it say that the, the Marine Corps, Marine Corps takes all of that as uh and goes very extreme. I also showed up to boot camp really small. And uh, it's more troubling now that I retell it. And Jarek will probably put a picture of my uh, initial dress blues uh, photo up there because I look like a child playing dress up. But I was I was probably less than you weighed when you got out. I was probably about a buck thirty-five. Um, mm. They called us, there were three of us that were really little. They called us Ethiopian privates, which is now oh. troubling to hear. Uh, and uh, then, then they called the guys that were big, they called them diet privates and they put red lines on their sweatshirt so they couldn't get dessert or they got smaller portions and they would take food off the diet privates plate and put it on Ethiopian privates plates. And we had to shovel all that time so they 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 take it to an aggressive level and have done so for a long time so i i can definitely see that this would be a problem uh taken to another level in the marine corps and i hope mm -hmm. that they are taking uh steps uh to to curb that a little bit because it is a problem okay we're done with rapid fire. That last one was a little less rapid, but that's okay. We are going. What are you? What are you doing? What's Holly? What's I don't understand. Oh no, we have a third one. Oh my gosh. We have a third one. Oh, we can't miss this one's good. Oh my gosh. The oh, only oh. thing that got me through hospital food was I put out a call for hot sauce, and I I I probably have a dozen bottles. Uh, <laughs> Taken to the hotel room. It's amazing. The new hotness. No, we're not talking about Ashley Marie Gorbosa Maldonado. Bravo, no. sir. <laughs> credit where credit is due. I'm a hot Somali up in here. And I'd right. love me some hot we're sauce. We're talking about in the old MREs, they had to have little bottles of Tabasco sauce. Now they're going to powder it. You're going to be able to sprinkle that goodness onto everything <laughs> and not worry about broken glass and other such things. What do you think about this new hotness? All I know is when I was in training, they took away our Tabasco hot sauce. They took oh. away the M&Ms and once in a while they would take away the spork because 
they were just cruel and unusual. But super excited about powdered hot sauce. All I can just see it now is it just spreading it everywhere, just putting it on your cheddar. It double as a weapon. It can. You know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh! Can you imagine? Oh no! Someone's gonna mess this up. Someone's yep. gonna get stupid. They're gonna put it under their eyes, trying to stay awake, just like they did with hand sanitizer, like stupid stuff. I speak from experience. That's exactly what people did. They would non cough drops and put hand sanitizer under their eyes. Now they have the option of powdered hot sauce. And we're gonna have to have a safety brief Wait. for we're gonna MREs. Have to have a safety brief. That's it for MREs and MREs. We're gonna take it brief. out. They're going to take it out until they know you've grown. You're going to do something stupid with it. But hey, I propose to super producer Holly. I don't know if this is in the budget, but I propose that we when these come out, that we eat MREs right here on camera of the Tango experience. We should and sprinkle the hot sauce. Actually, I can get my hands on some. Uh, Yeah, you're right there in the right there in the midst. So I actually uh, have a box in my garage. Of course you did. Not proud. Survivalist. (laughs) Ashley Murray, Corporal. I am. I'm one of those people. All right. (laughs) We're going to jump in or can I go now? By all means, sir. Okay. I can go now. Okay. Now we are done with rapid fire. Wow. I wanted to wrap that up a little more rapido than it needed to be. So we are going to end our show now. I have a shout out and I want to give a special shout out uh, from my time at the West Los Angeles VA Medical Center. Uh, I had a lot of great people. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of nurses were awesome. They called me non-compliant. It started with Nurse Leslie. She's amazing. Um, but really, my shout out is to my speech pathologist or what do you speech therapist? Sorry, I don't know if there's a difference. Um, or Katie, I don't know her last name, so I can't give it to you, and it's probably for a reason. But Katie is a professional and. She becomes really therapeutic about speech and therapeutic about a lot of things because I was in a place where I'm like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to do the podcast anymore. Um, I was in a place I didn't, didn't, I wouldn't take phone calls as Holly knows. Um, It just was, I was in that dark, like, I'm going to go mute. Can you imagine me mute? Whew. Uh, I was gonna I was basically trying to be mute and not talk to anybody or anything, and she uh, lifted me up out of that and assured me that there's the prognosis is great that I can come out of this at as close to 100%, if not 100%, and it's just gonna take it could take up to three months, which uh, I don't want it to take three months, but uh, the, it was supposed to be longer to get here to where I'm at now. So I'm going to push, push, push. And I was able to get her for outpatient. So I'm going to have Katie uh, as my speech therapist for outpatient as well. So I will be getting lots of good coaching and lots of good, uh, basically therapy therapy, because she's good at that too, in her own uh, way of boosting people up. So that's my shout out. And Ashley, I, I see you've added one. You have one. I, I have. So first of all, I just want to say I'm super proud of you, Jeff. Your journey has been just very true to the Marine Corps saying, and I know you know well, but it's the adapt, overcome, improvise, adapt, well, improvise. So improvise, adapt, and overcome. See, I know you would correct me. That's, that's why. I, see, I, I see, I'm good. I wanted. Yeah, I know you know your stuff. So I'm super proud of you, and I'm Thank happy you. that you've had all of the the support and love that you so rightfully deserve. And I know that you're gonna knock this out of the park. And you're gonna be able to say my last name like three times fast. I could just see it already. Either that, or you're just gonna make up names that scream them at me because we are headed off to Boston here shortly. But before I get to that, I do have a very brief shout out. And with all your California camaraderie and love, I had somebody from California reach out to me this past week and surprised the crap out of me. And so I got this photo from Facebook. Somebody sent a photo of a pamphlet that they had received at a woman veterans event in California at the VA Loma Linda. And lo and behold, it is a picture of me on the front of it. 
for the Discover What Matters Live Whole Health Women's Whole Health Program. It is a photo of me with my boots um, behind my shoulder in front of the Military Women's Memorial. And I had no idea that the Whole Health Program had used this photo. Uh, they had done a really generous article almost a year or two now ago about my efforts to empower women as a VA employee and as a legionnaire and as a woman veteran. And at the time I was running from Miss Veteran America. So a wonderful woman by the name of Jen Hernandez reached out to me and she was like, hey, I got this pamphlet. And I was like, I know you, you're from Miss Veteran America. And I was so excited to tell everybody that you were in fact a veteran and a VA employee and this amazing person and not just some model with boots over her shoulder. So I got this very generous, just adorable at random message. And um, I just wanted to say a big shout out to VA Loma Linda for, for using my likeness on this amazing initiative for Women's Whole Health Program for the VA and to Jen Hernandez for reaching out to me and to let me know that California continues to, to show its love even while I'm over here on the East Coast. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just a really nice, beautiful surprise. So um, among other surprises, so a caveat back to Boston. So we will be headed to Boston. So by the time you're listening to this, we will be contemplating our snacks and whatever miscellaneous items we will be carrying on our carry-ons as we head out to Boston. Uh, we are gonna be at the Boston Marathon covering all of the assorted events. We do have some amazing legionnaires who have come together for the spirit of camaraderie and shenanigans that will be rucking uh, for remembrance uh, for folks that uh, they've hand selected or just in general, the group of, of folks who have you know paid the ultimate sacrifice. So we're really excited to be out there. So make sure you, uh, you stay tuned. Follow us, you know, obviously on our Instagram, Facebook, all, all of the platforms where the American Legion's at. So you can see some of our live updates as we interview some really high speed, uh, low drag folks out there who are really the cream of the crop of athletics. So uh, we're really excited. So we're excited to have you join us on that journey. And Jeff, it's really great to have you back, bud. Thank you much. So Ashley and I, we are not going to, we're staying the ruck away from that course. And yeah. uh we're going to all my injuries. Yeah, oh, no. they can go ruck themselves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Holly, uh, and, Holly, put it on a shirt. Let's do it. it yeah. And just <laughs> so people know, so you know who you're rooting for. Uh, we have National Judge Advocate Mark Seavey, mm -hmm. Media and Communications Chair David Wallace, and the photo herself, Courtney Van Zanten. Uh, They're going to actually do the rucking. Oh, Ooh. wait. There's more. Oh, wait, I, I might have to actually remind me who it is. Yes. Yeah. So my humble husband will be joining the crew. He's wait, super wait, wait. excited. What's his name again? Robert Maldonado. Oh, right. Robert Maldonado. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about him for a second. Oh, wait. No, I didn't because we're best friends. He's remember? the tech support behind this. And remember, because we're great friends. Yes, yes, you are great friends. Yes, so you will be rooting them on and we will be talking about them. Uh, mm -hmm. So that really is our show. I'm looking forward to Boston, Absolutely. to seeing everybody there. Um, before we yeah. get to Boston, I get to go to see the Legion car race in Long Beach this coming Ooh. weekend. Actually, that race will be over by the time uh, the show gets on, uh, the day before, actually. So... Long Beach for the race, the the really fast race, and then Boston for the really slow rock race. So I'm going to get mm. the tortoise in the hair kind of. It really situation. is. So with that being said, we'll have tortoise in the hair and um, also important reminders. Don't forget to subscribe to the Tangle Alpha Lima podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Please leave us a review and give us a big old five-star rating. So the world knows how much you adore us. And if you do have a guest recommendation, please go to legion.org backslash tango alpha lima and click on the suggest a guest link. We look forward to your submissions and meeting more people in our amazing community. Um, and you know, be on the lookout while we're in Boston. We're going to be hanging out with Bedford Post 221. So we will, we will see you all in Boston. 
And do you want to add one thing? I want to make sure that super, super producer Holly has let us know that we need to spread the word. So I need my alphas to alpha up. There are people out there who don't know about this podcast. I know it's tough to believe, but we have you. We have the alphas and we need your help. Uh, if you can share this around with your friends, try to get us at least one new listener uh, every week each. And if you all do that, we will be big time in new time. And we do have to show, uh, we want to show good numbers because we want to be the favorite outlet of the American Legion for all news and entertainment purposes. And we have some stiff competition because there's a lot of good outlets at the American Legion. So let's step up alphas. I'm calling on you. I gave you that name and now I need you to live up to it. And with that... I'm going to declare season three, episode 100, that has been called Return of the JD, complete.